Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I just, I feel like we just touched heaven you know, for a little moment. You know, sometimes it's nothing like those old hymnal, simple, come on, let's praise God again. That's so good. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, we're in week two of our series entitled uh, White Robes, White Robes, and uh, it's all going to make sense next week, you know, where we get this phrase, white robes, um, we'll, we'll end the series next week. Um, and so, wow, wow. I'm going to give you the, the, the title of, of this message at the onset. It won't pop up on the screen, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down. If you're not taking notes, you can write it down. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll tell the story in a few minutes about why it is what it's named. But the name of this message is uh, Baby Check the Oven. <laughs> Baby Check the Oven. And so White Robes is an end time series. And uh, there are just certain things that you can't dance around. Um, so I'm already establishing, you know, some of what we're about. <laughs> you know, you got some context clues, ovens and end times and all that stuff. And so... But it's going to be real good, and yeah, so um, yeah. let's go for it. Uh, have you ever, show of hands, have you ever wondered what's, what's beyond this life? Yeah. Just a show of hands. Um, what's next? Yeah. Um, where? Yeah. Um, and it, there's a reason for that. that you, I don't know how much it nags at you, how frequent. I don't know if it's every day, every week, monthly. Once or twice a year, those questions, what's next, you know, where, where, you know, when, where, how, and all that. But there's a reason, and Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. It says, God has placed eternity, someone say eternity, eternity. In, the heart, in the heart of man. Yeah. So, so he's, he's placed it in you for you to actually wonder yeah. what, what's beyond this life. Um, Eternity, and, and it's because he's a, he's an eternal God. Right, so he right. he's he's the beginning and the end. He's he's eternal. And the Bible actually says that you were created in the image of God. Right. So, so you know how they say, "Oh man, you you remind me of your mom. You remind me of your dad." And 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 so the reason why you ask like, "What's next?" or "When and where and how?" is because that's a part of who you are being created in his image. He's eternal, so there's something in you that yearns to know what is next. And is next better? Is it worse? The Hebrew word here in Ecclesiastes uh, for heart is soul. Write that down. It's soul. And so your flesh heart is essentially where your soul resides. It's your soul. That, that's how the Hebrews believed the heart to be. It was the center of life, your soul. Right. And uh, let, let's build this out a little bit more. I'm, I'm teaching today, and, and, and so a lot of notes, a lot of scriptures. Genesis 2-7, King James says this. It says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. So, so that's the body, the dust. Um, and breathed into his nostrils the breath. Someone say dust and breath. Dust and breath. breath. All right, so that's the breath of life, which is breath there is ruach, and it means spirit, pneuma, breath, air. Um, so we get the term Greek pneumonia, 
So that, that's the spirit. And it says, and man became a living soul. Someone say soul. soul. So, so you are three parts, hashtag trifecta. You, you are your body, your spirit, and your soul. And so first statement, go ahead and write this down. I live in this body. I live in this body. Your body is a vessel. It's a vehicle. Um, it is an encasing. I like to, the body is a, put it like this, it's a temporary tent. Um, second statement, I have a spirit. I have a spirit. You are not a spirit. You're spiritual. You have a spirit. Right, right, right. And that spirit is the God force or the source of life. So he breathed and you, you lived. It's, it's the connection, your soul to God, that, that spirit. And then the third statement is, I am a soul. Write that down. So you live in the body. You have a spirit that gives you life. You are a soul. That's who you are. You are not what, I am not what you see. Um, I am, but what I am doing is I'm animating what you see. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm animating it. And so um, this is the soul. Write this down as your unique identity or your, the living person. It is who you are. And uh, two, two, two quick truths about the soul. Or I would even say the soul. Two quick truths about you. But uh, here it is. The soul is the seat of your thoughts, emotions, and desires. Mm, right. And when you boil down life, that's essentially what you are. Right. You're, you're a glob of thoughts, emotions, and <laughs> desires. Yeah. And, and your body is just carrying your thoughts, yeah. your feelings, and what you want. That's, that's what you are. Number two, the soul. This is where we turn the corner. The soul lives forever. It is immortal. So, so you've heard the phrase, pass, they passed away. We never say they ceased. And, and that, word, that, that phrase, pass away, is, is very theologically accurate because you come in you're born, you live, and you pass on. So when, here it is. When someone passes away, they're not in there. We understand that? They're not in that body. They've moved on to one of two places. And so um, you ever, you ever, you ever, someone ever asked you that question? You want the good news or the bad news first? <laughs> and we normally say the bad news. But before we get into that, CBS did a survey a couple years back and about the afterlife and some interesting findings. And uh, one question was asked, is, uh, which are you better prepared for? This was, um, these were Americans. And uh, 43% said death, at least they believe so. 41% said retirement. Um, which would you rather know the answer to? 48% said, what happens after you die? 45 said, what is the meaning of life? So about 50%, one out of every two Americans want to know what happens after we die. I mean, e even when you, you put all of your eggs in Jesus' basket, you still wonder, like, right. now I know what the Bible says. <laughs> and, and I heard the good news, and I accept it. But, but when my eyes finally close, 
will I really, you know, and so, and if you know, you know, but I won't even lie, being a pastor, sometimes I'm like, and it doesn't mean that you like faith. That's the human component of you. It's like, now, when I finally give up that breath, <laughs> it's having my home. So 48% want to know, can science prove whether the afterlife exists? 30% said yes, 67% said no. So many of us are more spiritual than what we would admit in saying that science really doesn't have the answer. Most people believe that it's found in religious texts and through religious figures. Uh, views of people who have had near-death experience. 63% said most have seen the afterlife. They believe in these stories when someone is sick and, 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 or someone is on the brink of dying and, and their soul is separated and, and, and they wake up and they're in heaven. Or, or they wake up and they're in what my baby called the dark place. He, he was, you know, it's so funny. God is so good because I'm like, Lord, you know, we're the jean jacket wearing church, the tennis shoes, young man, Lord, I don't know if we're going to talk about hell quite yet. Going to wait on that. And God said, no, we're, we're going to talk about hell. And my baby on Tuesday, he asked me just out of nowhere, and he's been doing this at least two or three times throughout the past quarter, Right. He, he asked me questions to confirm the message, and, and he asked me Tuesday, he said, Daddy, when people die, do they go to heaven or the dark place? And I'm like, that's confirmation. We're going to talk about it. And so some people end up in the dark place, and they come back, and, and they tell the world. You, if you've ever watched um, CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, they have those stories all the time. 27% of Americans said most are delusional. But um, let, let, let's, let's open up. Let's, let's, someone say dark place. I think that's a nicer, nicer phrase. And, and if we're going to go to anyone, we're, we got to go with Jesus. Someone say Jesus. Jesus. So, so Christ came from heaven. He, he said things like, I saw, saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Right, right. Um, he says he, he's the one who's been to heaven. How, how can someone ascend to heaven except the one who has been to heaven? Talking about himself. And so Christ, Christ can help, uh, actually help us to see what goes on in eternity. And I believe that he uses a story to kind of peel back the layer a little bit. Now, some will argue and say this is just a parable meant to rebuke the Pharisees. Some will say that this is a real story, a spiritual story that Jesus is telling with, with a twofold meaning. Yes, to rebuke the Pharisees, but to also show us a little bit about what happens after we die I, I, I don't think it's a false dichotomy. I think it's both. Because in parables, you don't use names. He'll say, and there was a man far off in a distant land, blah, 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 blah. And he'll bring in the principle. When you're telling a real story, you use names. So he, he's kind of peeling back the spiritual realm to show us what happens when a person dies. So let's go on ahead and go over to Luke 16. Y'all okay? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Luke 16 verse 19 says this. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was spl splendidly clothed in purple. So the Pharisees, these religious people, they dressed in purple. Um, they were well off, uh, the religious leaders of the day. So I can see where people derive that from. And fine linen who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. Someone say Lazarus. Lazarus. Who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. I'm sorry. 
It's going to get more graphic. Verse 22. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. Finally, the poor man, what? Died and was carried. Who, what was carried? His soul. His soul. His body was, was dead. His soul was carried, ushered by the angels. And it says this here. The rich man also died and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead, the dark place. There in torment, he saw Abraham in a far distance with Lazarus at his side. Abraham is the father of our faith. And he was saved by faith before Christ. So he made it into what we're going to call paradise here in a few minutes. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip. Uh, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. So there, there's filling, there's consciousness, there's a sense of um, hopelessness, there's longing. So, so you, you don't lose your, your sense of filling in, in, in your senses in either place. You fill it. And it says this here. So now he is, it says this here, uh, verse 25, but Abraham uh, told him, son, Remember during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm. I want to add verse 28. I don't know if production has it, but I'll read through. I think I'll stop him at verse 27. There's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. So once you're there, that's it. And it says this here, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, uh, at least send him to my father's home. Verse 28, follow me if we don't have it. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. And Jesus goes on to tell them back to the pharisaical uh, Pharisees, uh, even if someone rose from the dead, you wouldn't believe him. Talking about himself. So, so, So the first one of the places, not the first, one of the places people will end up uh, is, here it is, write this down, Sheol or Hades. Sheol is Hebrew for the realm of the dead. Hades is Greek, New Testament, for the realm of the dead. And, and this is a waiting place for unbelievers until the final judgment. And when I say unbelievers, I, 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 do, I want to be very clear about this. I'm going to look down the barrel because I, I, want, I want to be very clear. Those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, those who don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, there is no other way. All, all this stuff about there are multiple ways to God, there is no other way. We, 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 we can go to every, we can clap that up. It's only one way. There is no other way. I just need to, to make that clear. We can find every grave. We can find the area where Moses was buried. We can find Abraham's area, Joshua, Muhammad's, Buddha. But you, you go to wherever you think Jesus is, and he's not there. That's right. he, he's, so, so there's only one way. So these are unbelievers. And, and a few characteristics, if you're taking notes, is, is that there is no pleasure no relief, no rest. There is no turning down the furnace and 
All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to take a break from the dark, and there's a little light right here shining through the crack. I'm going to go sit over here under this light. There's a little water dipping. There's none of that. There's none of that. It is extremely hot, and it is a place of torment. And this is the holding place. So, and, and this is it. You're separated from God and everyone and everything you love. There's utter hopelessness. And this is what the Bible calls, write this down, the first death. Then upon Christ's return and his defeat of Satan, there's going to be the resurrection of the dead unto the great white throne judgment. Where every believer and unbeliever will stand before God. And, and be judged. So, so, so Jesus shows John the Revelator a vision of po- this portion of the end of time. Let, let's go over to um, Revelation 20. Revelation 20. Verse 11, and it says this. And I saw, John said, I saw, Jesus showed me, a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small. That, that, that's uh, alluding to the influential, uh, the famous, uh, the rich, the poor, um, everyone in between throughout history. And um, he says this here, standing before God's throne. The books, someone say books, were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death in the grave gave up their dead. So there are going to be people who, 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 um, who were not raptured or saved when Christ, when Christ is going to come back. Don't get the rapture confused with the second coming. And during the rapture, Christ is going to come back and he's going to hang in the air. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first to meet him in the air. And then after they meet him in the air, those who are alive, believers, will be taken up. And so we're going we're gonna to have the banquet. We're going to receive white robes. We're going to, come on, we can clap this up. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Then the tribulation is going to happen and all that. But, but then at the end, the sea is going to give up their dead who were not resurrected. And then the Bible says death. So Hades and Sheol, the holding place it's going to give up the souls in order for the bodies in the sea and in the grave to come, to come up to judgment, preparing them for the second death, okay? And it says this here, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is, here it is, the what? Second death. And anyone whose name was not recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I, I want to give us a, a few thoughts here. So you got the books of deeds, so everyone that's ever lived will be judged by your deeds, believer or unbeliever. For believers, if they glorify God, you're going to receive a reward. If it didn't, if God didn't care about it, if it didn't matter to Jesus, if it didn't build his kingdom, it's going to burn up, Paul says in Corinthians, but your soul is going to be saved. For unbelievers, you're going to be judged according to your deeds. So, so even if you gave a billion dollars to hungry people, but you never professed faith in Jesus, those deeds were not good enough 
Because here it is, Ezekiel says, the soul that sins shall, truly, shall surely die. Every soul in this world has sinned, except Christ. So this is the thing. You're either going to be judged by your deeds, or you're going to be saved by his deeds. I would not bank on you. I would not bank on me. I'm not that good. I'm, even as a pastor, I, I think thoughts. I, I do things. You know, it, it's just, it's bad. It's bad. But, 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 but Jesus, Jesus redeems us. And so the, the, the books. And so, and so when, when, when you have professed Christ as your Lord, your, book get, your, your name gets written in the book of life. Amen. And, and so souls will be released into what is called the lake of fire. Go ahead and pull that up. It should be on the screen. The lake of fire. And, and this is hell. So don't get Sheol and Hades confused with hell. The, 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 the term there is Gehenna. This is a valley in, in uh, southern Israel, Jerusalem, where they would, they would take their waste, and it was hot, and they would, they would throw that waste down in that valley, and it would, it would burn up. It would burn up. Bodies will rise from the sea and the grave, the books of deeds, and you'll be judged according to your deeds, and people are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Now, I'll give you some definition. The word death means, we think it means cease to exist. The word death means separation. Because God is the source of life. And so if you are separated from life, you are dead. Jesus said this about it. Matthew 13 says, the son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, so this goes against some, some, the, some theology, well, some denominations, doctrines, doctrines, believe that, um, that, that when you die, you just, you cease, you go to sleep. Not true. Jesus is saying that there's going to be gnashing and weeping. So as a matter of fact, when, the, when unbelievers are resurrected, they're going to receive a body in order to endure that torment forever. And I mean, go with me here, though. Like, so if, if all we do is sleep, and I'm not happy about this at all, but you, you got you to gotta think logically. Like, don't get too deep. Right, I'm saying, like, don't get all too spiritual. But think about this: like, if all we do is sleep after raising hell all of our lives, why not just do it up? Why not just if all Hitler is going to do is sleep? You telling me all he's going to get is, is a nap for eternity? You telling me all these Muslim extremists? And cult leaders who are chopping off heads in other nations and burning people at the stake and kidnapping kids and raping women and setting villages on fire. All they're going to get is a nap. We don't want to talk about this. He is a just God. He's a righteous God. (laughs) He's just. Christ died for them just like he died for anyone else. And, and so that's extreme stuff, but take it down to us. We've all sinned. Yes. And so, you know, 
Yeah. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. And th- this is the sad part. Th- this blew my mind when I first started to really read my Bible 15 years ago. This blew my mind. He- here it is. Here it is. It says this here in Matthew 25. Then the king will turn to those on the left. Here it is. Some more teaching. The left side is the hand of judgment and rebuke. The right hand is the hand of favor, strength, and power. Right, 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 right. So those on the right, he's going to welcome in to, to new heaven, new earth. Those on the left, he's going to, so here it is, and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire. This is what blew my mind. It's probably there. Prepared for Joe and John and Josh. No, prepared for the devil and his demons. God didn't even create hell for humans. That's the sad part about it. And so if I'm Satan and I already have a death sentence, oh, Africa, you better watch out. America, you better watch out. Oh, y'all just got married? Oh, you better watch out. Oh, you just got saved? Oh, you better. Oh, my God, you better. You better watch out. Because in the book of Isaiah, it says that when when God reveals who Satan is, we're going to stand back and be like, it was you? It was you with all the riots and the protesting and the political division and the racism crap. It was you who deceived them. It was your punk behind who deceived. Come on, put your hands together for that. It was you. We going to be tripping. You kept me away from the Lord the first 50 years of my life. Hey. And you can't blame them. I'd be trying to rally as many up as possible, too. I ain't going alone. I'm just, it don't got to be all that deep. It's, it's common sense. If you're the devil and you got a death sentence, you want as many to come. No, Jesus ain't the way as many ways. All right. Uh, Thanksgiving 2001. We'll turn the corner. Y'all okay? All right. We made it. Come on, put your hands together. That's hell. Woo. That's as hot as it needs to get. Yeah, t- 2001, it was Thanksgiving. My mom's here, everybody. Let's give my mom a hand clap. Love you, mom. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, um, so her mom, uh, grandma, it was Thanksgiving 2001, and uh, she had a, some sweet potato pies in the oven. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so I, I know Jesus is having a good old time right there now. He lo- yeah, yes. And so this is my first time really ever. I was 14 years old. She was like, um, she said, baby, check the oven. Now, just tell me if they're crusted, if they're dark or light, you know, blah, blah, blah. And God is my witness, y'all. I, I never really checked the oven before. Ooh. I opened that oven, and we had one of them old ovens, not these cute <laughs> ovens that kind of keeps the heat beyond the, you know, I open that oven, and I'm like, I don't know what, what rose up in me, but I, I said, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and then I followed it up. I don't know what it is because I ain't trying to get God in my life for nothing. I'm just going to church because I have to. But I said, I said these words, thank God for Jesus. Come on, celebrate his name. I said, thank God for Jesus. Because some ain't right about this heat. 
And, um, and you know, God doesn't want any of us to perish or, or to be separated from him forever. He, he loves us. Let, 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 let's talk about the, the other side. Someone say the other side. All right, let's go, let's go to Luke 23. Get away from that part of Revelation. And uh, so Jesus is hanging on the cross, dying for our sins. And he has two criminals on each side. One is just being terrible. And the other, the other says this. He recognizes who Christ is. And, and this man says this, verse 41, Luke 23, 41. We deserve to die for our crimes. I put in there a parathetical insert. We deserve to perish because of our sins. But this man, talking about Jesus, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And, and, and so because they're, they're all going to pass away in any moment, any moment, any moment. And he says, I'll probably go first, but when you pass, I'll see you there. So it's an immediate departure. Paul says to be, to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. There's no sleeping. There's no waiting. As soon as you pass on. So, so Christ said paradise. Go ahead and write that down. Paradise at a pop-up. This is a waiting place for believers. Comfort level, top-notch, pure bliss, the presence of God, yes. paradise. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. And uh, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then Revelation 21, God gives John a vision of new heaven, new earth. Yeah. So the, the great white throne judgment has happened. They've been judged. You guys come on in, and, and let's go here to Revelation. Y'all okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And, and the, the sea was also gone. So, so, all right, let's rewind. So when the rapture occurs, um, there are going to be souls that come from paradise with Christ. But they're, they're going to go a little bit lower. They're going to go into the grave and get the body. So your body is going to be made perfect. Right. My baby always asks me, how old are we going to be in heaven? I think you're going to have a perfect body. Right. So, so the best you that there is, the souls are going to go down a little bit lower than Jesus, get the, you know, and, and come back on up. And then um, we're going to pass the judgment, and, and we're going to be here. Verse 2, And I saw the holy city of the, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Here it is. This is heaven. Here it is. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Verse 5, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. And then he said to me, write this down, John, write it down, write it down. 
For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Verse 6. And he also said, it is finished. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, mm, to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Put your hands together. Hallelujah. And all who are victorious. That, that term in the Greek is used to describe someone who has overcome battles and a struggle. And next week, we're going to bring it full circle with white robes. These are the ones who struggle, who battled, who held on to Christ, even to the point of death. I was telling my wife the other day that, um, you know, thank God that we have the protections we do and the opportunities, the freedom of religion right now, but... I was just telling her, I'm willing to die for this thing. And, and, and those are the ones who will receive all of, I love what the Bible says, all of these blessings. The victorious ones. Let's go over to Revelation 22. Y'all okay? All right. One through five. Then the angel showed me a river. Someone say river. river. With the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. All that mess that the devil has done for thousands of years, God's going to take a leaf, and I don't know if he's going to dip the oil of it or whatever, but he's going to heal the nations. And it's, it's going to be beautiful. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. His servants will worship him. And they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night, no need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. So the new heaven and new earth, here it is, just a few notes, is where we're going to end up forever. Believers. Heaven is going to descend. All forms of healing will take place. You will not be married. You'll be best friends if you get married with your spouse. For those of us who have lost spouses along the way, you will reunite, reunite with mom, dad, grandma. You will see them. No sin, no death, everything new. The full glory of every nation, the way God originally intended it. And you're going to dwell with God forever. Wow. There's no place like heaven. Paul says, I had, um, he, Paul says in Corinthians, I had an experience. And he said, I don't know whether it was in body or out of body. But he said that there are things in heaven that I cannot utter. And... Um, I don't tell you this story because I'm, I'm some kind of sage or seer or anything. I, I don't want us to get all deep, you know. I want us to be healthy, but I do think it's necessary. My wife knows this. I, I don't tell the story a lot. But in 2013, the Lord gave me a three-phase dream. And, uh, and I was on the, on the fence between medicine and vocational ministry. 
And in the first phase, so in real life, I was working in an outpatient office, a heart, Orlando Heart Center. So in the dream, I was coming out of my workplace, and a, and a young medical doctor, a resident, was coming in from the hospital. And he was tired. He was worn out. And I asked him, I said, Doc, you, you doing okay? He just said, it's been a long day. I'm, I'm tired. A lot of patients, a lot of assignments, a lot of notes. I'm just, I'm just going here and rest a little bit. I said, okay, well, have a great day. Went to phase two. So that was me being worn out, being tired, you know. Phase two, I'm walking with a group of um, believers down this alley. It's very dark, tall buildings, but it's like down an alley in these big cities. And uh, we're, we're a group. You can tell, like, we're the church, and we're sharing the gospel. We're living for God, but we're walking down this dark alley, and out of the sides of the buildings come people who are snatching people from my group saying, please help me, please, please help me, please, and bringing them into the darkness. Now, this isn't a bad thing because we, we have the light, and so the people were just coming out of the darkness and saying, please, please help me, please. And, and the interpretation was that, um, and you, you were snatched as well, please help me, was that those who were walking with me were showing the people in the dark who Christ was. Yes. And so I didn't mind losing them in that part of the dream. I understood that phase three. Phase three, I'm standing on a shore, and there's water, a body of water in front of me. And it's about as far out as I can look, there, there's a man with a huge sword standing on like a little, little island. And he's surveying. And it's the most beautiful place ever. And he's just surveying. It's almost like he was assigned to this part of heaven. And, and there's no sun, but it's bright. It's about 69, 71, no heat, it's not cold. The weather is perfect. And I asked, because I, I, I know someone's there, I asked, I said, can I get in? And a voice spoke back and said, sure, go ahead. You know my story hasn't changed. That's always, sure, go ahead. And that's what I stand my ministry on, those three words. Because when you've had a visit to heaven, nothing can stop you. Sure, go ahead. I got in that water, y'all. You know it's a good dream when you feel like it's real and it's good. And I got in that water. I'm flipping and I'm swimming. and I'm, I mean, it's just the fullness of joy. Like it's, and, and, and I can't remember in that dream at one point where I had to come back up for air. I was just swimming, and it was great because water in Scripture represents the Spirit of God. So I'm just, and, and that's what it just said. God is going to dwell, and, and he's going to cover. We're going to learn about that next week. And so I'm, I'm, and finally, I get to this body of land where this guy was standing. And, and I put my hand up on, so, you know, you don't walk up like you come back to the shore, but I put my hand up on it, and I pull myself up. And it's like those old Roman sandal straps. I'm like, oh, my God. And so he had the sandals on, and the straps were across his leg. And as I was looking up, I saw his knee. And as soon as I went to look up to his face, my alarm went off. And God said, you won't see the rest.
There's nothing in this dying world that can compare to what God has in store for you in heaven. There's nothing. There's nothing. And I'm not saying live carelessly, don't be successful. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, I'm just saying that first point here as we close out is that eternity, there's nothing more important than eternity. Where, where will you end up when it's all said and done? There's nothing more important than, than heaven. My baby asks me all the time, said, Dad, will there be race cars in heaven, goat carts? I say, yeah, baby. Will there be baseball in heaven? Yes, baby. There will. Everything good that is not sin within itself will be in heaven. I believe God is just that good. Will there be barbecues in heaven? Yes. Yes, there will. Come on, put your hands together for that. Yes, yes, yes. Second point here is God has made a way. God has made a way. God has made a way, and his name is Jesus. You don't have to change. You just, you have faith in him. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's just that simple. And number three, today is the day of of salvation. I want us to stand on our feet as we close out. Today is the day of salvation. I don't, I don't want you to hold on to this world too tightly. Don't hold on to it too tightly. Focus on your eternity. Trust Jesus with your life. The Bible says in the day of salvation, heart and not your heart. You never know when your number is called. And I've been sent here today to just prepare you for that. Like we said last week, we hear every day in the news, you know, car accident, shooting. You know? I just, my heart, I want you to get this right. I, I want you to give your life to Jesus. And it doesn't mean like when you do it, tomorrow you got to be perfect or Jesus Jr. You just got to trust him. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, uh, we just thank you, Lord, for...
from the promise of heaven. We thank you, Lord, that we're just passing through this place. And you've given us everything we need. Your word, you've given us your son, you've given us the promise of eternity. And we praise you. You're such a faithful God. Every head bowed. Church, if you're, if you're saved and you're right with God, I want you to intercede in your heart. Start to pray. But if there's anyone in here who needs to give your life to God today, today is the day of salvation. Heart and not your heart. God loves you with an unfailing love. So I'm going to pray a prayer here in a few seconds. And I want you to join me in that prayer so that your soul is made right with the Lord so that heaven would be your home. If that be you today, let's just just join me. Say, Josh, include me in that prayer. Repeat these words after me. Believe it with all your heart. Let's pray. Father God, today I give my life to you. And I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. Father God, I thank you for raising your son from the grave so that one day I would rise to eternal life. Father, I thank you for the promise of a new heaven, new earth. I want to be there. I receive your grace. I thank you for salvation. Now, Lord, I ask that you would give me your spirit so that I would have the strength to glorify you and to live for you, to be victorious before you call me home. Lord, I love you. I am yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's.